Hello again and welcome to the usually serviceable and hopelessly miscast podcast from your friends at GCT. I am Paul, your host. We have our usual panelists today, Brian. Hello. And Christina. Sup. So you can hear the energy in their voices. They're rip-roaring, ready to go to talk about whatever topics I'm going to throw at them and a few others. So uh, let's just dive right in because um, I don't feel like doing intros again as to what exactly we do. Uh, so what our first feature is a standing thing is every week we're going to dissect what we'll call a classic show. It doesn't necessarily have to be of a certain time frame or anything like that. It's really whatever one of these two pick. And it was Christina's draft pick this week. And which show did you pick? We're going to talk about the Phantom of the Dumb Opera. Oh, not the country opera? No, the dumb one. Okay. Well, I know Brian wanted the country opera, but we'll talk about Phantom of the, in parentheses, dumb opera. So, uh, basically, since you picked it, I'll let you kind of... What are your overall thoughts of why you picked this show? So, I copied this idea from last week. The Phantom of the Opera is the first show I saw on Broadway... When I was a tender 16-year-old, and it was the first show that I saw that I went, huh, I could do that theater thing, I guess. And I have a really cool, weird history with this show, uh, having done it in college, too. Oh, that's, that's good. We'll, we'll dive into a little of that. So, for those of you, for the, you know, we only have five listeners, but I'll say for the one of the five of you that might not have seen Phantom of the Opera... It is. It basically won a bunch of Tony Awards for Best Musical. It's an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Uh, was Michael Crawford the original Phantom? Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah so Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman. Sarah, yeah, Sarah worst Brightman and worst. were originals there. Um, the a brief synopsis from Playbill.com was far beneath the majesty and splendor of the Paris Opera House hides the phantom in a shadowy existence. Sounds like Brian's everyday life. Shamed by his physical appearance and feared by all. Yeah, that's, Honestly, that same. really hits home there. Same, the same. love he holds for his beautiful protege, Christine Dai, is so strong that even her heart cannot resist. Okay. And yet I she don't did. know that that synopsis really is what I would have said. <laughs> but um, It's an inter- I, interesting way to phrase it. Yeah, it is. I mean, that her heart cannot resist. I mean... Would that be willful resistance or subconscious resistance? Yeah, legit let's her, let's but, dig into that. <laughs> yeah, let's hit the <laughs> some of the hard hitting themes of this show because like stalking. There, there, there are some tough moments in this show. I mean, the king and I provided us with. I'll call some humor. Phantom is going to do the same and promises to. So, starting with you, Christina, who in your mind is the best or favorite character of yours in the show? Hmm. You have a look that says, I don't have one. I think everyone's terrible. Maybe maybe the least terrible is Christine, because we're going to just, we're just going to call it what it is. She's a victim in this situation, and victims don't get to be held accountable for the uh, transgressions against them. But everyone's fairly terrible in the old Phantom of the Opera. There's not really anyone great. Yeah, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities. No. I mean, even when you think maybe Raul or somebody like that might. Raul's kind of a prick. Yeah. 
We're just got gonna, a lot of repressed anger issues. We'll, I think we'll call it what it is. I could I could dig into why he's the worst all day. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Well, I, you know, I assume we're just going to pretend love never dies exists yeah, for I, this exercise. In, in which case, the best character in the show is probably Meg. Yeah, she's quite okay. innocent and it's just supportive of her friend, and that's all. Uh, of she's course, a little idiot. That, that takes a gigantic turn in the sequel. Yes, yes. We <laughs> but, don't speak uh, the of naivete that. turns but, to uh, whatever word you want to insert there. Well, you know, spoiler alert: she shoots Christine and kills her at the end for <laughs> some. What a cool reason. play! Yeah. yeah, it's a good cycle, a circle of life. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would have said Raúl, uh, but then again, I see the sequel, and he's like a pissed off drunk the whole show. Also, let's talk about the fact about that life. he like offered her up like a like a sacrificial lamb at the end of the show that so that he could try to shoot the phantom he's like no you're gonna do this opera do it go yeah yeah get out of here not jail bait just bait these men these well, men yeah you know. the uh the auctioneer at the the top of the show i guess is pretty innocent the whole thing right <laughs> <laughs> any of the theater runners yeah. or anything like that? No, yeah, no, they're uh, terrible. I like the, uh, the very uh, heavy-handed lot six six six. Yeah, it's, right. Now <laughs> showing. Oh, I think the chandelier itself is the best character. <gasps> oh, but. it's the star. It is totally a victim. <laughs> Just uh, smashed every night. Totally misunderstood. <laughs> Didn't do anything to nobody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody takes their anger out on the chandelier. So. Yeah, I'll call it. Okay, so here's an easier one. Well, maybe. What's the worst character in the show? Mm. I mean, can it... All of them? All of them are the worst. The all Phantom's the, the worst. Listen, he's the worst. Yeah, I was going to say, it's if you picked he's the, one. He's the worst. You know, Phantom gun to head. Pick one. Uh, Phantom. He's pretty he's, bad. He's the worst. So... It's hard. It's hard to redeem him. Your heart might want to redeem him, and his songs are real pretty. Well, but, thankfully, uh, his heart will not go on. But you know, um, because he has no heart. What about you, Brian? Um, yeah, the, the the Phantom's definitely the worst. He's uh, I, I don't even know how many felonies he would have committed, but uh, over the course of the show, but it would be a lot. Um, Give me also, your money. Let me sit in this box. Let me stalk you. Yeah. What? Yeah, Let me take you on a magical so boat ride <laughs> <laughs> down to the, the sub-basement four I of the, of the I flooded this area so I could ride around in a boat. Deal with it. <laughs> exactly. And it's made for two. Ugh. You and me, baby. Let's see. And That's what many, he says. Why do so I love this So there's attempted murders of uh, mm. Carlotta, I guess, the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Successful murders. Yeah, I killed uh, Piangi. Is that his name? How you say it? Yeah, he kills Piangi and uh, and uh, Joseph Bouquet, uh, or as I like to say it, Joseph Bucket. <laughs> Joseph Bucket. Yeah. Uh, kidnapping. Um, Kid, yeah, it's a big one. Uh, implied assault. Well, if you again, if you go to the uh, sequel, you know it was it was flat out rape. It's not implied <laughs> yeah. anymore. But uh, yeah, so uh, we have confirmed the charges per, are no longer allegations. Per Lloyd Webber, yeah, he straight up raped her. So uh, Andrew yeah, Lloyd Webber's so cool. And he's the, uh, Coney he's, Island. He's the hero of the show, um, but the one we're all supposed to you know root for at the end, and he's actually pretty terrible. 
Look, yeah. I love a flawed character. However, maybe maybe we could do it without the expense of like assaulting our leading female characters. I don't know. Just a thought. Not my yeah. play. I mean, even just the him essentially forcing her to belt out high notes. That's uncomfortable. It's a high E. Yeah. It, that is assault in yeah. and of itself. Yes. <laughs> so going back to your experience as playing Christine. Yep. Christina, Christine, Christina. It's cool. Um, now, the at, the, at, the, there. at the time, wasn't it, wasn't it like the first college or something that was able to we do were, it? I think we were one of the first. There were a couple of other college productions that had just happened before that. And we did it um, during U of M's centennial year. So it was like a huge thing. We had that Rudy E. Shite music money. So our budget was like astronomical. It's I should know what year that is since I went there. What year 2012, was it? 2012, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Because it was my junior year. Yeah, I don't remember um, seeing it. Yeah, it was and probably will always be the most expensive show I've ever been in. I know that some of my costumes alone were like three grand Whoa. a piece. They were nuts. <laughs> it was crazy town. Wow. It was Blowing really cool. Budget. Really, really cool. I have patchy memories of it because I think I stressed so hard during that time that I like had to mentally protect myself. Mm-hmm. Shield yourself from the outside world. A very distinct memory of standing on stage during tech when uh, everything was like kind of going wrong around me and singing Think of Me while like smiling and weeping <laughs> as people couldn't get my dress on and everything just went shit just one big giant masquerade huh that's cool cool times yes sounds like so much fun yeah once was good i mean really though the music in it is Stunning. amazing i mean yes. i'll fight anyone it's beautiful feeding into that i would i was gonna say the next category is best part of the show to me, the music oh is the God. best part of the show. Oh, by yeah. far. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. It, it's a nearly perfect score. It, you know, if I see it done... If I see certain songs done, including the title track, it's it, by the right people, I still get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just from the... Just how grandiose the music is and how it... Just... It's stunning that it's part of that show, but it's... Yeah, it's a testament to the staying power of that show. Mm-hmm. I think music... So what do you guys? Alone. What do you think is the most underrated song in the show? To me, uh, my opinion is "Point of No Return." Absolutely, I love "Point of No Return" because oh, you rarely so hear it, but it's such a, an evocative song, mm-hmm. and the ending is so jarring with yeah. the Raul showing up and the mob and all that kind wow. of stuff. That finale section where the three of them are like singing the point of no return with all the like repeating themes from earlier Mm -hmm. in the show is just like goose goose cam i love it it does feel like uh mr lloyd weber kind of used up every ounce of musical (laughs) talent in that one show i will say uh school of rock i enjoyed yeah it's fine um but it's also based off a movie but uh yeah that's pretty much it for me too (laughs) Yeah, his other stuff. Uh, I mean, I know people Ooh, will, will cut you over cats, but don't care. I'm I'm not that person for sure. Yeah, it's, I don't I don't know that any of the three of us are holding out a lot of hope that uh, cats is gonna exceed this in our minds. No. So, oh, no, no. You know, all deference to local theaters who have done it and won awards for it. Yeah, I'm sure it was a lovely production. All deference to you. 
I, I was not going to plunk down five cents to watch it. Yeah. Because I personally can't, I find that show detestable. I feel that way about Joseph. Mm. Yeah. I hate cats I'm, more. I'll watch, but I'll watch cats over Joseph. Oh, man. Reverse. I really don't want to watch Joseph because it's short. It's like 90 minutes. I mean, you you have to kind of do the Ludovician treatment for me to watch Cats again. Mm-hmm. Be very Clockwork Orangey, and I'd be screaming Malcolm McDowell <laughs> style did, um, did, in a large room. Did either of you see the Cats movie? I mean, I did not. I just, Absolutely not. We're saving yeah. that for a special occasion. That's going to be oh, no. like the midnight podcast. That yeah, we do. when we when we really need. Can we do it like a Mystery Science Theater three thousand? Yeah, oh, sure. that would be awesome. Yeah. We can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll have to probably get some rights from somebody for them to hear the movie. Something like that. Probably. You're more of an expert at than than I am. Probably. But we can definitely cross that bridge because I love the idea. Yeah. So, uh, what's the worst part of the show? I mean, we've talked about some the the obvious rampant crime wave. Going um, through the Paris Opera okay. House is part a of A less serious worst part, the stupidest part of the show to me is the... I just can't ever reconcile the life-size Christine doll that he has in his lair. Like, yeah. I just... Did it's the weirdest. I want to know so badly why that's like... How did that make it in? How did yeah. it stay in for so long? So he brings her down, if you haven't seen the show, um, to his cool phantom lair, and he like makes her sing really high, and it's stupid, and then he sings a song, and at the end of the song uh, that he stole from Puccini, he uh, brings her to a closet where he has a replica of her wearing a wedding gown. Maybe it's a device to like say how the wedding gown became a part of the show later, because she wears it later. Yeah. But anyway, she sees... The mannequin and faints, so which is a weird like a sewing dummy. No, it's like a, it Sam? looks like it's like a human, real life mannequin. Oh, right. But her. I'm saying, is it like uh, oh, oh yeah, I'm like gonna why? build this mannequin or order it, man, dude, off from JoanneFabrics.com or something. I I've tried to understand why that exists in this show for I so agree. long. It doesn't make no sense. I mean, and the mannequin like like. It's not organic Pops. at all to the show. Yeah. I mean, and the Nadja doll and what we do in the shadows, totally organic. Well, fits yeah. well. Yeah, sure. What a weird reaction to have to, like, ah, oh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. I shall faint. <laughs> well, and if you've made it that far with this guy she, and you ooh. see that, yeah, the boat is that really going to be the it. tipping point like, where you're going to say, okay, you weren't that crazy up to now, but that kind of threw me over the edge. I think at that point she's she's pot committed. I'm all in. So a man pulled her through her dressing room mirror. Yes. Yeah. Into the catacombs, put her in a boat, singing high E's. Yeah, made her sing yep. a high E. Stupid. On a boat. So I don't know. And wears a mask. I just genuinely don't understand fainting at the mannequin. It's plagued my brain forever. <laughs> if anyone has any input, please please contact me. I need to know. Well, if we get listeners, I'm sure you'll get input. Yeah. We got to get people to listen first. Brian, what's the worst part of the show for you? Uh, it, it, I know it's like a meme or something, but seriously, in real life, the Phantom's lair would be covered up with props and set pieces and costumes. 
because ain't nobody forgetting that they got extra storage space in the theater. So, you know, come on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. If there's storage space in the theater, people are going to fill it up. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, if we had a seven-level sub-basement below this theater, it would be filled with couches and clocks and rotary phones. You know, maybe that's the explanation. Maybe someone put, I mean, we got a mannequin here at at GCT. So maybe they started storing props and then they just forgot where they put some props and that's why the mannequin's there. Maybe. And we have wedding dresses. Ideas are swirling we through my head. We could put our mannequin in a wedding dress and uh, put it somewhere. In our catacombs. In our catacombs. We have a basement, our catacombs, mm. quote unquote. So. Well, and then we could take... We've had uh, to put her up on a platform so she, her feet don't get flooded. And then we could... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. Don't ruin that hemline. <laughs> Can we put her in the hallway around Halloween? Yeah. Send Christina down there. Uh, <laughs> hey, Christina, can you go get this um, stationery out of the basement yeah, for us? Go get that. And she sees it and she comes and back. Then she and she faints. Shanks both. I'll of us faint. In the neck. Time has already told us. Yes. Just like, carry your box of Count Chocula with you. <laughs> oh, He'll no. You. It's a mannequin with a dress. I think. Oh, it. no. Oh, no. I just don't understand. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. So, who won the show? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew. <laughs> That's who won the show. You have a differing opinion? Who won the you show? You might be the only winner. Um, I don't know. Who? No one in the show wins the show. Maybe Meg I mean, wins, kind of, because she finds his dope mask at the end and holds it up to that special. I guess if I pick somebody, Raul wins the show because he doesn't end up with uh, crazy. Ugh. She's crazy. I hate it. He does win. You're right. Dang it. So, question though. (laughs) Scoreboard. Did Starlight Express come out before or after Phantom? Do you know? Before? Before, I think. So, that came out before and they trusted him to write another show. That's amazing. You know. Maybe that's kind of like Tim Burton-itis. I remember a comedian saying, why do we let Tim Burton keep making movies? And it's because we're afraid of what he'll be doing if he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Lloyd Webber's probably the same way. That's very fair. In some ways, maybe that's the true with Sondheim, but Sondheim doesn't have just one career opus. So, at least hmm. I don't think so. No. At some point, I'm sure we'll get to a Sondheim show that we have great disdain for, because there are some that I do and some that I don't. So, hmm. so I guess the other th- so Lloyd Webber wrote this for Sarah Brightman. Yeah. Um, so, clearly, he pictured himself, because they were married at the time, but do you think he pictured himself as the Phantom or Raul? Oh, the Phantom. Oh, definitely guess. the Phantom. Well, you know, they have like a really creepy, weird relationship start because he met her when he was with his first wife and she was like really, really young. And then he like put her in the the spot in Cats. Uh, did he say, come that's, join my harem? So that's not actually correct. Uh-oh. He didn't see, she was she was in Cats, but he didn't recognize her until after she left Cats and was in some other show. And oh, that's I when he. She, I thought he met her when she was playing the white cat. Uh, maybe so I'm wrong. Per, per Wikipedia, because I did research before. Support Wikipedia and if we you believe can. They need your donations. Yeah, they're asking for two dollars and seventy-five cents. It's really important. But we do believe everything we read on the internet. Yeah. So mostly, right. yeah. <laughs> it's a meme. So it's half-ass internet research as a. I'll throw a shout out to Bill Simmons because yeah. he says that on every podcast, and I agree. 
It's okay to have half-ass internet research. But I do think that he thinks of himself as the phantom in that relationship because he did essentially stalk to marry. Well, so so here's the story. So Brightman um, left Cats to go take over uh, the role of Kate in Pirates of Penzance. And it was at that point that uh, Lloyd Webber read a review about her in the show, and it was a great review. So then he went and saw her. Uh, and that was supposedly when he truly and said, oh, crap. for her. I need to cast her in a show. Oh, wait, already did. Already did. And she was Jemima? Jim, Jimmya? I don't know. I, I don't know. Cats and cats, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. Aunt Jemima. She was, right. a, she was a cat. She was a cat. <laughs> a feline of some sort. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, more power to them, I guess. I Sounds very, uh, you know, Woody Allen, Roman Polanski esque, or something yep. as far as a romance. So, so there's a there's a twelve year difference in age. Just heads up. Okay. So they married when they were when uh, Sarah was, was twenty four when they got married. So did that violate the rule? Could be worse. Uh, yes. Half plus seven. Half plus seven. Yes, it violated yeah. by one year. Yep. Because that meant he was thirty six. Yep. Eh, it's not the worst one, but you know, yeah, whatever. If if you just said thirty and eighteen, I'd be much more creeped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like oh, when was her eighteenth birthday? Oh, last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, so you met just last week, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so anyway, moving on from that debacle, uh, let's get into some other topics. So. I, I don't always like to prep these guys with topics, but since this one is a list, I gave them, I told them yesterday, I want to hear what they think is a list of, and it doesn't have to be three, but I'm going to say three, three best and three worst plays you've ever seen. Not a musical, a play. So I won't limit it to three, and I won't say it has to be three. At least one or two of each. Let's, let's start with the best. Let's go positive for the beginners. Who wants to go first? I've never seen a good play. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> okay. So you're done. <laughs> I'm going to say I'll start off, but uh, let's see. Well, I was going to say a worst. I want to start positive. I won't start off. Brian, what about you? What's a best play you've ever seen? Uh, best play I've seen would probably be Network with Brian Cranston on Broadway. Okay. Stunning. Stunning work. Uh the tech elements they had in that were unexpected and beautiful. Uh, just all around great show. What about you? What's one best play you've ever seen? My favorite thing I've seen recently is a play that goes wrong. Yes. I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in a public space. <laughs> That's a great one. Like crying, hollering, my throat like hurt after. <laughs> That's good. So got another suck. best? Uh, I'm going to, I'd forgotten that one, but I would still not put it. But yeah, I would agree. That'd be my number two. Hmm. Uh, at, at one point in act two, I just, I was exhausted from laughing. <laughs> yeah. And so like I stopped laughing because I was just like, oh, please stop making me laugh so hard. It's just, it's just that funny. Yeah. Yes. So what about some worst plays? I'm going to start because I'm going to say Our Town is the worst play I've ever seen. Our Town is the worst. People can say they love it. I, you know, no, I have not seen like a Broadway style company do it. I don't care. It's bad. It's awful. It was probably great 
way back when it was written. I, I don't ever want to be subjected to that again. I'd rather watch Cats than watch that again. That's how ringing of a non-endorsement I'll give it. I, I wouldn't... Yeah, I'd probably rather watch Cats, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I don't ever want to see Amadeus again. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a play. Never, ever again do I ever want to see that play. I just oh, personally I did not like it. But that's, you know... That was not It was for just me. bad all around. It wasn't for me. Okay. Fair enough. Worse. Worse. <laughs> it did not have a beautiful taste, is what no. you're saying. No. Okay. Brian, what about you? Um, I know you have some worse because you've told me some. Oh, man. I've, I've got some stories, man. Some stories. It can even be a play you've been in. <laughs> uh, I've been in some bad shows and contributed to the badness of them, for sure. Um. <laughs> Well, that's that's a no-brainer. I mean, I mean, you and I both contributed to the badness of one show. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I used to judge high school theater uh, in Mississippi. So uh, pretty bad. I like where this is going. I saw uh, some really really tough shows. Um, there was <laughs> some uh, some show that the drama teacher had written. And then oh, made no. his kids perform, and it was oh, the no. most painful two hours of my life. <laughs> I will uh, not mention the school it was at because I don't remember the name of the play. But man, um, I hope you had some alcohol. No, probably not. No, because you were a judge. No, so. I was a judge. I was taking my job seriously. Taking well, I would say I'd take notes. Within five minutes, I just threw I the said, notebook away. When did away. you stop taking notes? I mean, it it was pretty quick in the show. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that's the worst thing I've seen. And do you remember what it was called? No, I don't. It was. Or are you protecting the innocent? Uh, I wouldn't protect him that much, but uh, <laughs> woof, 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 woof. That was bad. So. I, I will. I will say that you know the one time I've seen it, I'll admit, is local. Or it was done locally. I appreciated a lot of the actors really trying and giving it their all. But it was a show, like you say, about Amadeus was totally not for me with Quills. Yeah. I did not like that show. And I've seen the movie. I didn't really care for the movie either. So I went to the show with, yeah, I might have been a little jaded. And I was definitely a little alcoholed. Uh, but did not like that show. I will say it was not the worst I've seen. Because like I said, a lot of the actors were really trying. And I applaud them wholeheartedly for that. Um, I've already called out a show Brian and his wife and I saw uh, at Freed Hardman, so oh, might as yeah. well call it out again. Because uh, yeah. someone with that department then messaged Brian, and I, they have more class than I did. They said, hey, that was our show. <laughs> they didn't say, God, that guy's a jerk for calling out yeah. our show. But we went and saw Clue on stage, and it was we said the show is great. It was not done well, but yeah, I've seen. I mean, I think this is my opinion. You guys tell me if you agree. I've seen a lot more plays and musicals, but plays for sure, where the play itself is good, but it was not done well. Yep. It's done very poorly. Yeah, and I think that's mainly because to get to the point, if you're if you're producing a show that is published, there's been a lot of people that have to you know okay this and you know 
a publishing house has to say, yes, we would like to do this show and make this a part of our catalog, uh, which, again, kind of going back to my worst show ever was, you know, it skipped all those factors. It was just a drama teacher that wrote it for his kids. Um, right. And so, you know, no one at any point ever looked at the script and said, no, this should not be produced. So even the kids <laughs> had done a... If they had, if he had a, a Broadway caliber actor, it would still have been crap. Uh, but you just you take a bad script with inexperienced actors. Ooh, you got a, a recipe for pain. Well, and it's I mean, I know we've all seen and been in shows where plays where you have experienced at least community theater actors who are really good at what they do, and it just doesn't come off because it's just not for them or it's just wasn't there's something about it that's not right so it's it's kind of hard i think it's kind of hard to judge most shows and say well that was bad top to bottom it has good and bad elements i mean there's a certain show that you were in that i told you my thought was the show didn't come off but it wasn't because of acting Mm -hmm. it's because i thought the script was abominable yeah um it from beginning to end and it did the actors no favors. So, you know, in my mind, that was the worst written show one of them I've seen. So, yeah. I don't know. What are the thoughts you guys have? I was in a pretty rough production of White Side Story one time. <laughs> White Side Story? Mm-hmm. All that of already our, sounds racially insensitive. Like but 90% of our Hispanic actors were white. <laughs> Oh, gosh. They make them get spray tan. Which you can actually claim to have Hispanic in your background. You know I got tokened into that show. Listen. Hey, look, we've got Christina Hernandez over here next to John White and his brothers Billy, Bob, and Sam. call it exactly what it was. I don't feel bad about calling out that show even a little bit because some of y'all know you shouldn't have taken those roles. White side story. Um, yeah, you put it. it was pretty rough. It was a, it was a pretty rough production. When you're a white jet, you're a white jet all the way, right? Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Anyone that was like, um, Hispanic, I think there were three of us in that show that were actually Hispanic. There were, um, That's a big cast, some, usually. A, a few really incredible, um, black dancers and actors in that show that were also sharks. And they were awesome. And then uh, Maria was white. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah. You know. Cool. Take it off your resume if you've played white Maria. <laughs> Take it off. Not something you should hold up. You shouldn't brag pride. about that. So let's move on to another category. And this is one, you know, in searching around for a topics on the internet, one thing that I found was certain websites that talk about, you know, when things go wrong on stage we've all been in shows you guys have been in a lot i've been in a few but we've been on stage enough to have something happen to you that wasn't planned or that someone did plan it and didn't tell you about it and it's like okay um thank you for making that happen <laughs> so uh i found a website that i'll uh, is on buzzfeed.com and the story is called 25 of the worst things that have actually happened to actors on stage i won't go through all of them but just want to read three or four of them and get you guys kind of reactions to it. Like, if that happened to me, what would what would it feel like? So one was uh, 
uh, the person says, uh, I guess her name is Jessica. We were doing a production of The Wedding Singer, and there's one scene where the main character starts taking shots. One of the cast members decided it would be funny to replace the waters in the sh- the water in the shot glasses, and you think it's going to be alcohol mm. with hairspray. Oh my god! It wasn't. This oh. finished the article. What's your reaction to that one if that happens? Well, that could I, kill somebody. I yes. would harm someone so hard. If you chug down hairspray, you know, a big shot glass That's... of consort for men. This person would be blackballed from working with me ever again. Like, I can think of people that I've acted that's... with who would do something like that. I mean, I would... That's not a person I want in my theater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, a, uh-uh. as theater employees, they wouldn't work here anymore. That's for uh-uh. sure. You sure? That's right. <laughs> really <Okay>. sure. <laughs> Even mean, if we needed that extra lighting designer? Or oh my god. It's like, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, That's horrific. So here's another one. There's one. I mean, there's a difference between well, being doing something funny well, and I, like right putting someone's health at risk. When but, I first read that, I was think I was thinking the payoff's going to be they switched it out with vodka or something like that, which, and, which would be bad enough. Yeah, well, because I don't you'd know react where, and be like, that would also make me mad, I mean, but not us, man. Yeah, I mean, like we're in the show, like because I don't I don't know how many shots he has to take, but if he had to take like four or five shots of vodka and then try to finish the show. Oof, okay, that's not a great idea either. Mm-mm. Completely agree. I mean, and I have I've never unknowingly swapped out alcohol for anyone. Myself and a co-star swapped out alcohol knowingly for each other. Yeah, well, that's I different. know someone who did that in a show that we worked on. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> a, a show we might be producing here again. Is that what you're referring to? It wasn't to me though. Something about it was a in a date. very. It was to a very uh, harmless character in that show. I mean, I'll say flat out that. I'm trying and to th- think what it was. <laughs> Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, the director's now sitting here absolutely going, "Whoa!" Absolutely gave Nicole a real shot at one point during that show. Oh, okay, okay. When I mean, she was doing her really long bar hiatus. I see. Oh, nice. She was the dateless dater. Dateless first dater. Mm. Yeah, that's the non-dater dater. Yeah, she's. But that was pretty genuinely funny. Yeah, as long as Nicole was okay with that. Yeah. I was gonna say the fact that it happened yeah, it to Nicole, good. I'm gonna laugh it was about pretty that. Good. It was pretty good. That's right, Violet. I said it. If you're listening, so she's not. Don't she worry. ain't. She cursed at me and Violet on stage every night. Sharing. And I will never forgive you for your greasy hair, Nicole. Uh, <laughs> yes, just leave it at that. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Brian well knows this. I swapped out water for alcohol for myself every night in Newsies yeah. when I did that because I, you know, myself as one of Pulitzer's sycophants and myself and the other two actors are supposed to drink colored water. And I had control of the setup, so myself and a uh, stage helper uh, would generally swap it out for real stuff so and then thankfully for me not only did some teenager try to ask me is that alcohol but the assistant stage manager who was assisting me said what do you care <laughs> chase the kid off so good job a, a moment of pride in my life that's what a we, very that's, good that's friend what of we your need wife's ASMs. a very good friend of your wife's Aww. yeah so uh okay so Another one, this is this one made me crack up because I've done this show twice. I was in Beauty and the Beast, and we had a rat problem at the theater. Oh. One night as the lights came up for intermission, 
A stunned rat fell from the catwalk, no. landed on a patron, and died in the aisle. <gasps> it really made the whole spooky haunted castle vibe work. <laughs> now, the times I've done Beauty and the Beast, if that happened, I don't think I would... I think I'd still be laughing <clears throat> about it. Wow. I don't think everyone would be. I don't think I would ever recover from that. <laughs> oh, uh, so I shouldn't tell you that two years ago, mm. there was a rat that lived right mm. here. No. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to go. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there is a rat that lived uh, next, next to the wall between the desk and uh, the wall here at the theater. I just don't want to share my space with them. And yeah, so you, we had a, a slight infestation. Mm -hmm. We got an exterminator out, and he he got them all where they're not around anymore. But Aww. um, well, sad. I mean, it gets cold. They want to come inside to get out of the cold. So I'm sure it won't be the last one here. Yeah, I, I it won't be the last one. No, Aww. and we'll make sure it ends up over at your desk, mm. Christina. So here's one more. I was recently in, in a production of Heathers and was on stage during Freeze Your Brain with my counterpart. There's a break in the song where, where his character takes a sip of a Slurpee. The slurp, sound, the slurp sound played while he mimed drinking, but it didn't stop. It lasted for a solid 45 seconds, and we couldn't continue on until it stopped. I'll never forget it. Oh, God. So, yes. That's very much a play that goes wrong type of moment <laughs> to me. <laughs> to think that it would oh, it would sit fun. there and you'd have to sit there and be staring at the audience or someone else as this sound of a sip continues. I can think of many a night when I've sat watching a a dress rehearsal of a show here at our theater with our esteemed executive director. Sounds don't go right and I don't hear the sound for forty five seconds. I hear a forty four second <sighs> Coming from Brian as he's feverishly writing notes in his notebook. That was a really good Brian sigh. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I've heard a lot. I was of complimenting them. Paul. <laughs> Not you. Oh. Don't take credit for my sigh. <laughs> so. You really nailed it. Yes, thank you. Just, I, just you know, the next the next time I'll get a chance to sigh is for during the show my you're show. Directing. Yeah. yeah, I know. Oh, uh, and we will definitely. I will sigh take now. it extremely personally. Don't you worry. <laughs> So along those lines, another website that I found is called notalwaysright.com. I'll attribute it to you. And they have crazy theater stories, which I thought this one was pretty funny. This is this week's story. Uh, this comes from a theater person in Iowa uh, from last month called A Harmless Necessary Cat. I am performing in a free outdoor production of Shakespeare. The performance space is on someone's property. The director is greeting the audience as they arrive. A woman approaches holding an animal carrier. Dot, dot, dot. The director says, hi, welcome to the show. Woman says, thanks, I'm a neighbor and I just had to see the show. Director, what's in the carrier? Woman says, my cat, want to see? Director says, oh, sure. The woman takes the cat out of the carrier. Uh, it is a Maine Coon cat, easily over 25 pounds. Woman says, he's very curious. He'll probably wander out on the stage. Exclamation point. No. The director Ooh. laughs, thinking the woman is joking. She is not. <laughs> no. The cat wanders on stage during the show, sticking its butt in the faces of actors who are crouching on the ground and generally interfering with the show. At some point, the cat decides I'm his quote-unquote favorite 
and he comes up to me and meows plaintively when I won't pet him. I have to duck behind a tree to hide my laughter. At intermission, I send the director a text message. My text says, tell woman to take cat home. It's getting dark and he could get hurt in battle scene. The director told the woman to take the cat home. It's cats with real cats. The only cats I want to see. I mean, if there were random cats, especially feral cats wandering the stage, Mm. like screeching at the actors and maybe even pawing at them, I might watch Cats. If the movie version has that, I'll watch it. So I did a a production of uh, uh, The Diary of Anne Frank, and we had a cat. Mushi is is the cat, right? That's the cat's name? In uh, Diary of Anne Frank? Yeah, it is. Uh, And one night in the middle of the show, the cat took a gigantic dump on, (laughs) on... on the pillow of uh, the the boyfriend. Oh, of uh, Peter. Of Peter's pillow. And, oh no! Uh, this was before Peter had to. It, the way we were blocked, uh, he had to lay down in the bed on his <laughs> pillow. <laughs> so yeah, the, oh. they say about working with like don't work with animals or children. Yeah, unless you want to put your head next to a pile of cat turds uh, during the middle of a show. That's so weird. Yeah, I don't cats think are so. usually like really like particular about going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And, and if they see people they don't know, they want to yeah. get away. Yeah, at one point the cat really funny. got loose and kind of disappeared for a while. The, hmm. He was eventually found in the theater, but uh, yeah, just uh, very uh, very scary to work with a animal that you know, doesn't really care about this production at all. Yeah. Cats. Cats. Weirdos. We're, we're back at Andrew Lloyd Webber once more. Once in, it's funny back. you say that. That's a good, uh, non-knowing ham-handed segue into this week's Mrs. Murray's ghost corner. <gasps> so, uh, a ghost story that I found on theaternerds.com, uh, has to do with, uh, I'm, I will probably, I know I'll butcher the name, the Palais Garnier Theater in Paris. It says, uh, that's the setting for the famous novel and musical Phantom. I'm paraphrasing this article, so we can cut it down. It says, what you may not know is that the writer was a French journalist whose specialty was investigative journalism on real-life incidents. Ooh. And the tale is full of many real-life truths. For instance, the lake of water under the theater is real. It's actually more of a water tank, but it's a body of water under the theater. Also, the chandelier in the theater really did fall. Not only that, it killed someone. This is creepier still. The disfigured contractor that helped build the theater who lurked about wearing a mask to hide his appearance, the man named Eric, was born disfigured and abandoned by his family, joined the circus, and eventually became an architect of sorts. He was even said to walk about the theater wearing dress suits and a cloak. Also had his own personal box to watch the performances without being seen. The creepiest part, we're continuing to go down that path, is that he really did fall in love with a singer who performed at the Garnier, and he kidnapped her. Luckily, she was found and fled Paris. He was so distraught, he walled himself up into his apartment under the opera house and ultimately died of starvation. Sometime later, his suspected remains were found wearing a gold ring that he was known to wear. So. Mm. Yep. thought that was an interesting, you know, do you, 
if you're ever in that actual theater, wouldn't you think, okay, that ghost is alive somewhere in that theater? Oh, yeah. It's got to be. For sure. Got to be. You tell people that story, and then you hang a gold ring from somewhere and dangle it around in front of people's faces. Yeah, that would, uh, that would not be a theater I would ever want to perform in, I don't think. <laughs> well, it says at this theater, they the, the light remains on stage long after the actors go home so that the ghost may perform, thus preventing them from cursing the theater. You just got to work with your ghosts, you know? They just they just want to be seen, and, like, they've got their needs. Just go work yeah. with your ghost. I mean, I personally have never had an encounter with Mrs. Murray, but I've heard other people say they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She likes kids, that's what I've been told. Uh, I've, you know, I've been here over two years now, and uh, I've not had anything directly beyond the saw turning itself on one, one night while I was here for rehearsal, but that's it. <laughs> And that was, I mean, that was years and years and years ago. Maybe I've consumed too much alcohol to notice things like that. So, Maybe. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, time for closing rants by each of you. Sponsored by Jimmy the Cock. If you don't know Jimmy the Cock, he's in the office here with us. Came from the set of Bluff City Law. He now resides with us here at GCT. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's, and, Jimmy Smith's porcelain uh, rooster is... is yep. Is sitting here, and he says pimping ain't easy. That's why he carries a twenty yeah. with him all the time. Always has a twenty on him. It's important. So, Christina, you got to choose the show this week, so I'll let you go first. Oh, great! What would you like to rant about? Um, be nice to people that like pumpkin spice flavored things. You know, it's literally <laughs> pumpkin spice water. Listen, right. it's like cinnamon and nutmeg. Can you just can Probably you just all chill out? There. Can you guys all just chill out and just let people enjoy things? Do you, do you not enjoy things? Are you feeling persecuted? No, I just it's just tired every every year. It's tired. Just let people like Halloween and let people enjoy pumpkin spice. Fun fact, you know, in a lot of occult practices, cinnamon and nutmeg are used to ward off evil. Uh-oh. So maybe this is more of a reflection on you if you make fun of people for drinking pumpkin spice. Her non-Jesus side is coming out now. Mm-hmm. Good day. You heathen. I said good day. <laughs> right. Okay. She said, I said good day, sir. <laughs> All right, Brian, your turn. How do you follow that? Um, Uli and Brat. Oh, no. <laughs> should not be on the pitch this Saturday. Uh, do you he, want to get background into him or not? No. He is what is a, that? He is terrible. <laughs> He he is uh, he cannot hold the ball at all. Uh, his passes are generally to the other team. I don't know why people like this guy and think he's the best midfielder for Borussia Dortmund, but he is terrible. And if Jude Bellingham is not starting in his place on Saturday, uh, I'm going to have a serious serious issue with Bavra uh, and his selection of the starting uh, starting eleven. Oh, this is soccer. Football, but yes. <laughs> so, I, I'm not even going to try to explain to it's all of you. It's not soccer. I'll explain it's to football. Christina afterwards, but it would just, you, you'd still be sitting there going, you know, you'd have Robin Sharp face and look at us and go, what? I mean, seriously. I what you're talking about. He played 30 minutes on Monday and got the ball taken away from him 12 times. He's terrible. And saw two guys coming at him and just fell over. Yeah, he just fell over because he's, he's terrified of physical contact. It was very Michael Caine, a gold member, when he says, why don't you just fall down? And he did. So, 
Anyway, okay. okay. No, that's cool. I was waiting for some kind of another Andrew Lloyd Webber shot since he's taken a lot of bullets in this podcast, even though he did win the show, apparently. Well, yeah, it's because of his wallet, but yeah. He's a winner. <laughs> oh, he he's winning. He's winning. I, I guarantee you. Somewhere, the joke's you know, with his 12 years us. younger than him wife. <laughs> well, they winning. got divorced, so. Oh, okay. So now he's got a wife who's probably 12 years old, actually. Uh, mm. Let's see if he's, he's married right now. Oh, no. I shudder to hear what age oh, yep, difference yep, yep. is. He is married right now. Uh, I hope you're all sitting down to hear what the age delta is. So his current wife is 57 years of age. Oh, he ain't 57. I know that. Uh, let's see. How old is he? Like 70. He's 72. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he, he dropped by three years. Okay. I think now Acceptable delta. I don't think it matters anymore. That he, he does <laughs> half your age plus seven, right? That's... He's, That's he's well clear. above the rule. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would mean it would be 43 and above. So I'm going to say he's within the boundaries of. I'm not going to say it. Okay. So. Yeah, no, they did marry in 1991. So, uh, so 29 years ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So that means she was 28 when they got married. Baby. And then he was 43. Is that creepy? Yes. Aren't you in your late 20s, Christina? No. Come on. I was trying to give you a few years. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's creepy. Maybe it's not. 29 how many years now are you? Me? Yeah. I'm 31. Okay, so 29 plus 2. So that would mean you would be marrying a guy who's 46. Would that be weird to you? It's all weird. <laughs> getting getting it's married is weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I just trying to, I always try like to see different people have different perspectives on that. So the interesting thing, uh, Mr. Lloyd Webber does not like being unmarried for long periods of time. Oh no, he uh, he was divorced from his first wife Sarah Hugill in '83 and married Sarah Brightman in '84. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sarah Brightman and he divorced in 1990, and then he married Madeline uh, Gordon in 1991. How do we get him into therapy, though? I it, sounds like therapy is marriage for him. That's his version of therapy. But you know, he's something. It's my guess. Yeah, it's some sort of therapeutic treatment. He's now treatment. Been, he, we'll call it he that. and uh, he and his latest wife have been married since '91. That's that's pretty good. That's decent, right? Yeah. yeah. She's cool. staying close to the money. It's okay. <laughs> I would too. Yeah. I mean, first first wife was 12 years. Sarah Brightman was six. And uh, then, you know, we've had 1991 to 2020. Hmm. So, you know, almost 30 years. It's a long time. About to, well, hit, about to hit that next year. We hit our 30-year anniversary. So congrats, Mr. Lloyd yeah. Weber. Let's throw him that a party. a long time. GCT has you beat by 20 years, but that's true. okay. That's true. Okay. Well, for those of you who are still listening, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, give us some likes on YouTube or send us you know notes don't send them to me send them to the staff uh, email addresses for these two on the webpage at gctcomeplay.org so but we appreciate you listening and uh, we'll be back with another quasi exciting edition of this sometime probably next week thanks very much and goodbye bye bye see ya